This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Who are you and why do you think you're here? Um, so I personally like to get a degree in mechanical engineering technology. I always liked working on things like robotics. I always liked tinkering with things since I was very young. I think it started when I was five. Um, I don't even just mean the college. I mean like on earth in this life. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I should be clear, I'm sorry. Oh my God. I haven't thought about that kind of thing really deeply, really, but I, I just know for a fact that I just like building things. But, um, yeah. <laughs> Previously in Greater Boston. They arrive in the middle of the night while the trains are shut down for the evening. They wait for activation. I am going to promise them that you will sell Wonderland in exchange for a pleasant, legal, nine-to-five job. And what about Emily's fall guy? I have the perfect person in mind. I have a letter addressed to you and Nika from Leon. Together. I think that's how we have to read it. It doesn't sound crazy. It is crazy. If you change your mind, I'll be at Wonderland. Redline wasted no time justifiably evicting the former citizens in the name of economic terrorism. If they're programmed with the right mixture of memories from Stomatus, the trains will run like a stopwatch. Run it in character voice right now. All right. Malden. Red Dorchester. Somerville. Bright Bronx. Bay. Yeah, so this? Somerville. Uh, I've never been my life. I live in Milton, Massachusetts. Rosendale. Well. Boston. Boston. This is. Medford, Massachusetts. Red Dorchester. This is. This is. This is. Greater Boston. This week in Greater Boston. Episode 38. The Voice in Your Head. Come in. Hey, there you are. I was worried that you left. Nah, I just needed a minute alone. Everything okay? It's just, um, I, I'm wondering about all the people I still need to say goodbye to, you know? Like, like my job at Singer and the Someday Cafe regulars. This is your thing, and I haven't even given my notice yet, and it's, I just... Hey. It's totally okay. I get it. You do? Of course. You just need a little more time to get everything in order. I'm sorry, I've been pushing the schedule on you very last minute, and that's not fair. Yeah, more time. More time would be great. Tell you what. I'm crashing with a friend in Springfield for a few days after I catch my bus. Why don't you meet me out there? The next bus to Chicago doesn't leave until Wednesday, so as long as you come sometime before then, we'll be all good. Just make sure to buy your ticket online. Okay. Sounds great. Anika, is anything wrong? No. I- I'm sorry. I did this new monologue last night at Someday, and and it didn't go as well as I thought it would. I got about three-fourths into it, and it just felt really long, and I freaked out and ended it super abruptly. I'm sure it was fantastic. I really wish you could have been there to hear it. I'm sorry. I just had so much packing to do. You know how it is. I do. Oh, man, I am so psyched to get on the road with you. Nika and Dimitri, hitting the road for one wondrous journey. Gonna head back downstairs. I want to make sure I catch up with Leon before I slip away. See you in a few days. Dimitri? Yeah? I, um... Thank you. For inviting me to come with you. Of course. Listen, we are going to have one hell of an adventure. That, I promise you. Jesus, Mary, and old dirty fucker Joseph, you almost gave me a heart attack. Uh, I'm sorry? Who the hell falls asleep on the green line anyway? Can you hear that screeching? Sounds like a drunk android getting drawn and fucking quartered. I think it's the lack of food, honestly. Here, I've got this sandwich in my bag. Thanks. 
Are you okay? Huh. I got a bug up my ass so far it's crawling on my mouth. This email says my school is closing down. The big bag of C's? The Cambridge Central Square Community College commuter campus? Why? What happened? Said they were bought out by some other college. The Line Institute for Earnings Studies. Smells like a leaking sack of fresh pig shit to me, but anyway, they aren't going to have my program, so I can't even transfer. Wait. Read that name again? The Line Institute for Earnings Studies. L-I-E-S? Really? They gotta be some for-profit tomfuckery. So, what are you gonna do? I don't know. I only have a year and some change to finish. I'll probably transfer. Tufts has a decent program. Can I ask you something weird? Okay. Do you think it's weird that we hang out? Quite the contrary. I love hanging out with you. Really? Yeah. When I lived in Boston before, I was always so bored. That's the main reason I left. But when I'm with you, it's like every day is an adventure. And I mean that as a compliment. But you know I'm only like 20 years old, right? Yeah, but that's... Wait, what? Yeah, dude. I'm young as fuck. Uh-huh. I mean, you seem so... You're... Is that like a deal breaker or something? No, I, I'm just surprised. You seem older. And I mean that as a compliment, too. You seem like you've got everything figured out. Yeah, fucking do. But that's cool, because you're pretty fun to hang out with for a scent wipe. But also, you should know I'm not, like, into you or anything. So if that's what you were worried about, go back to fucking Alaska and chill. I know you're not. You do? I mean, you do call me scent wipe. Yeah, there's that. I'd apologize, but I wouldn't mean it. Plus, I'm, like, ten years older than you. Yeah, I know. Wait, what? You are? Yeah, I'm 30. Why? Don't I seem it? Ah, uh, no, dude. You don't. I figured you were 26 tops. Anyway, some fellas get weird about hanging out with a badass chick who's way better at everything than they are. And some guys get especially weird about hanging out with a younger woman who's way better at everything than they are. But you seem cool. Don't get me wrong, I'd dig you in shit, and if you were younger, maybe I'd consider it. But I'm kind of swinging in the other direction right now with my dating preferences anyway. Oh, so you're bi? Uh, yeah, dude, duh. Why would a question like that be classified in the duh category? I don't know. I treat women differently. Haven't you noticed? You seem to treat everyone with a healthy dose of cautious contempt. Yeah, but ladies a little less so, for obvious reasons. Sure. So, as long as we're cool being friends and all, can I ask you something of a personal question? Yeah. What made you decide to come back? It, it's hard to answer. Nika asked me the same thing, and... I really wanted to tell her, but I don't think she'd believe me. Is it about what happened with old Mr. Skynat McMoneyfucker? No, it was before that. I went looking for something. I had to... I had to find something that seemed... different. That seemed so out there that Leon probably wouldn't believe me. I wanted to prove something to him. That all these naive journeys, as he called them, that they were about something. So I searched, and I searched, and I found it. A drowned city, upside down. A mess of skeletons on the top, mangled and mashed together, getting sucked through a crack in their protective dome and whisked away to the cold emptiness of an indifferent ocean. I found Atlantis. And it was horrible. And I realized that even if I found what I set out to find, all it did was prove Leon right. And the worst part was, I couldn't come back and tell that to his face. His death just underlined the point. I should have been with him. I should have been with him. No. No. You had to go and find that. You needed to. But how can you say that? If I had stayed here... You wouldn't have. But but if things were different... If I were different, then I could have gone... They weren't. You weren't. Listen, I get it. I know how you feel. But at the same time, you needed to make that journey in order to find out what was important to you. Say you stayed, canceled your trip. How long would it have been before you were out the door? off on some other adventure. And maybe you wouldn't have learned your fucking lesson on that one, you know? You never struck me as a predeterminist. Fuck that noise. All I'm saying is, don't dwell on the coulda, shoulda, fucking woulda, you know? I don't blame you for feeling fucking sad or guilty, but there wouldn't have been any other way. And honestly, it could have been a lot worse. So give yourself a break. Thanks. And thanks for believing me. Why wouldn't I believe you? Uh, Atlantis? (laughs) 
<laughs> Dude, sometime I gotta show you the city of the mole people deep in the orange line tunnels. You'll lose your scent wipe shit. Are you serious? Of course I'm fucking serious. I'm Mallory. Just do me the favor. Next time you're ready to jump straight into the gnarly asshole of adventure, give me more of a heads up, okay? Okay. Deal. Dimitri and Mallory transferred trains. Green, then blue. When they... When they approached the gates of Wonderland, Dimitri expressed a desire not to do it from the front gates. There was a line of people carrying belongings, refugees looking for shelter, for a new place among Isabel Bespin's exodus. Dimitri wanted to explore the periphery a bit more, see the park from more of a distant point of view. But really... I'm... Not sure I'm ready to get too close to it yet. It's totally different, you know. The ride he died on, it... it doesn't even... I know. I'm not sure if that makes it better or worse. Sure, I get it. So they walked. Every once in a while, Dimitri would... would take out his sketchbook and make a doodle. The great Ferris wheel in the distance, for example, looking like a large wheel of cheese. And as he moved closer to get a better look at his inspiration... Whoa! What is that? It's... It's the puzzle box. The one that I gave them. The people at my farewell party. What's inside it? I have no idea. The guy who sold it to me just left all these cryptic clues about it. Said it would be really tough to figure out, especially if you were by yourself... I figured it might be good for a party. If a bunch of people got it at once, maybe they could figure it out together. This... This is Nika's. How can you tell? They were all individual. Hers had this marking on the bottom. I remember exactly what they looked like. Hers and Leon's. Just before I gave it to them. Do you want to split? This is kind of fucking intense. No. No, I think... You know, I think I'm ready to be surrounded by other people for a bit. We are. We are. We are. Watching Ben Affleck enjoy some fine boutique shopping at Fields Corner, where dollar stores and pawn shops have been revitalized into sharper image and vintage consignment couture. We are. We are. We are. Uh, we, we are. are. We are. Watching Ben Affleck practice his putting with clubs that double as cocktail shakers. We are. We are. We are. We are. We are. Watching Ben Affleck twist open the handle of his golf club to sample a well-shaken old-fashioned made with only fine top-shelf liquors. What do you think, Ben Affleck? Hi, I'm Ben Affleck. And if you want to know what I think, you just need to listen to my cleft chin cleave even deeper, as if to say, shopping at Fields Corner brings all the elegance of boutique shopping together with the convenience of transit food courts to create the finest shopping experience you'll ever have on mass transit. Why? Because it's just like shopping SkyMall, but on the ground. We are. We are. We are. We are. We are. Legion. Nika kept her head down and her hood up as she crossed Wonderland. These people had every reason to hate her for her role in the red line eviction imbroglio. Imbroglio. That was such a Leon word. But of course she was thinking of him. Me? She was thinking of me. Being back here again, where I had died. Where she would finally talk to him. To Dimitri. And there he was, Mallory too, waiting by the nacho flume with its flow of hot cheese in place of water. She could change her whole story right now with one phone call to Nicole. All her childhood dreams waited on the other end of the line. How did this happen, you two being buddies? We met in an abandoned tunnel. Mallory let me stay in your food truck. You didn't seem to give a shit about that barf box anyway. No, not really. Good thing. Someone made off with it last week. It's lucky Scentwipe carries all his stuff around like a hobo. Speaking of, I have your puzzle box. I found it in the reeds outside the park. Found it? I chucked that from the top of a roller coaster. You could have killed somebody. 
With Leon? After. Oh. I brought Leon's. I found it in Michael's office. That's all three, then. You bought yourself one? I didn't want to be the only person without one. Don't you guys have some real shit to have out? We're going to be here all night if you keep prairie-dogging it. I imagined us having this conversation on the Whirladon. used to be right here. I wanted to make you ride it with me. As pilgrimage or penance? Both, I think. Sometimes more one than the other, but it's gone. Now it's the nacho flume? God, this place has changed. Took a real turn for the dumb. The nacho flume is as close as we could get, I guess. I'd still do it with you if it were running. I got this. Oh. Uh, okay? Okay. Nika ducked under the ropes, then watched Dimitri make his way through the circuitous rope maze. They boarded, and Mallory sent them on their way. As they slowly rose, they exchanged long-delayed letters. Nika's returned from the Charles River where she had once tossed it. Dimitri's written on a one-tree island in the ocean. Written, but never sent. Do you... Do you know what really haunts me? The last time you saw him? The last thing you said to him? Missing his funeral? The things you can't say to him now? No, nothing like that. It breaks my heart that I'm never going to see him again. He was my... He was my safe place. But there's nothing I need to say that he didn't already know. That's bullshit. You don't care that you can't talk to him? You always had something to tell him. Always. I, I mean, Christ, at the very least, aren't you blowing your top that you can't tell him that you were right? About all that stuff, all those impossibilities, none of that matters to you? Of course I care. It absolutely guts me. I saw such horrifying things. There was this time down in the subway where Leon and I passed in opposite directions. I could have gotten off the train just to say hello. It wouldn't have cost me anything. I could have caught the next train, still had my adventure. I just needed to hit pause and appreciate a few minutes talking to my brother. Instead, I shrugged and kept going. Sitting there alone under the ocean, that's what I couldn't stop thinking about. And I realized I'd done it again in Portland. I'd gone looking for Sasquatch, but instead found two people captivated by the happenstance mystery of each other. I saw it, but completely missed the significance. I thought it was sad. That's the moment the adventure ended, and right then I should have come home. I'd have been here in time, only by a day or two, but I'd have seen him before it was too late. Instead, I shrugged and got on a submarine. I didn't even call home first. But not talking to him about that stuff? That's my loss. He didn't need my mysteries. I'm going to miss him for the rest of my life, and I'm going to kick myself for ignoring so many opportunities to just enjoy him. But that's not the same as being haunted by him. All Leon needed was to know we loved him. And he did. He was sure of us. Both of us. As they approached the peak, they braced for the coming drop. A moment of panic stole through Nika as she looked at her brother, sitting there beside her at the top of the track, awaiting the plunge. Up and over. The plunge didn't come. The thick sludge of cheese didn't allow it. Without the chain lift pulling the car, it slowed on the descent. Nika and Dimitri dangled in their restraints, watching the ground gradually approach. We, I guess? Huh. I missed your show. What? Your open mic performance? So? Wait, that? That's what haunts you? It was one show. You went to plenty of others. But I didn't go to that one. The last one before I left. Oh, I had so much packing, you know how it is. I didn't show up for you. Your letter talks about how I kept leaving and coming back, and... I don't think you understand why. I always asked you to come with me, and you'd say, just give me a couple of days. So I'd wait for you. 
You'd call and say, yeah, I'll be there soon. So I'd keep waiting until you'd call and it was, no, sorry, something came up, I can't go after all. But then I'd be there at the beginning of an adventure by myself. You're my best friend. All my plans included you. So I'd bum around for a few days and come home. That last time, I really thought you were coming. That's why I threw the party. You seemed so certain until the last conversation. I told myself it's okay, she'll be there. But then you weren't. And I had to go. I couldn't turn around, not again. But I didn't know how to go without you. I had to go. But all I kept thinking was how I was leaving you behind. So I had to stop thinking about you. I had to cut myself off from you, or I would have never been able to do what I needed to do for myself. I hated doing that, and I was angry at you for making me. But so many times, I hadn't shown up either. I didn't know I was doing it, but that's not an excuse. I should have known. I should have bought a fucking phone. I should have been at the funeral. You needed me. That's what haunts me, Nika. All the times I didn't show up for you. You wanted me to do a lot more than just show up. You wanted me to turn my whole life upside down. How was the ride, folks? Ah, pretty terrible, actually. We'll take a second pass, though. You got it, boss lady. It it happens overnight. They move, marching towards the trains, waiting for them like sleeping dragons. They open the doors. They sit in the operator seats and plug into the pre-installed battery outlet. They sit where they will always sit from this point forward, where they've been programmed to sit forever, or at least until they wear themselves down enough to demand repair. They wait one last time through the remainder of the night. They do not feel emotions, but they have a certain anxiety, excitement, a reason to fulfill their purpose, a reason to exist, to be. At 5 a.m., The people they replace show up outside the locked doors, their keys no longer working. Only their mechanical replacements can open these doors, can operate these trains. The poor sacks of replaced flesh bang on the doors. Some bang until their knuckles split, shouting the entire time. At 5.55, they drive. They hit every stop perfectly on time. They never falter. They know how to make up time. They share a collective consciousness, infused with a higher sense of order and punctuality. My memories are always there to remind them, should they need it. They know how to slow down when need be. They know how to drive so as to reduce noise and friction. The trains have never been more on time. They've never been smoother. The trains are theirs now. And they will not let them down. Nicole! Hey, Nicole, over here! It's me, Chuck Octagon. Hey, Chuck Octagon. What's the haps? The haps are not good. I'll say that much. But we're waiting for a couple more people. Should be here any moment. Who are we looking for? Got a description? No, but I'm sure they'll recognize me. How's your show going? Inexplicable riddles. Eh, it's going. I think I'm about to get my guy, but after that, who knows? I'm waiting to hear on a potential new co-host, but if she doesn't sign, I think the show's probably dead. That's a shame. I do love riddles. Yeah? I published a book of them once, years ago, under a pen name, B.B. Bosco. What did the B.B. stand for? Nothing, actually. I just like the alliteration. Alliteration. When the keywords of a phrase or sentence all start with the same sound. I'm familiar with alliteration, Chuck. 
Hey, Chuck Octagon, I'm Luisa Alvarez. Luisa, hello. I'm Chuck Octagon, and this is on-air personality Nicole Fonzarelli. Fonzarelli? Really? Don't go there. All right, not going there. Anyway, this is my associate, Michael Tate. <laughs> Mr. Octagon, hello. Uh, we've met, actually. You interviewed me out on the street once. Yes, yes, I'm sure I probably did. And then you did an investigative piece trying to find me after my disappearance last year. Oh, yeah, right. Did anyone ever find you? Uh, yeah. Hi? Good, congratulations. I guess I should probably do a follow-up piece on that. Yeah, sure. At least I would, if not for the fact that my career is suddenly transformed into a festering nightmare of journalistic impropriety. Or to put it simply, a rotten circumstance of unethical reportage. Right. So... Charlotte Lenzer Coolidge tells me you're in the market for an investigative photographer. Okay, so here's the situation. Have you been watching my show lately? That's more of a question than a statement on the situation there, Chuck. I've been watching your show. uh, A lot. I've been kind of surprised by it lately, and I've been wondering what's up with it. That's why I asked Louisa if I could tag along. You've really bought into Bespin's whole shtick. Not exactly unbiased. Also, not exactly sincere, is my guess. Yeah, that's the problem. The network is feeding me scripts. We got bought out recently by this corporation that's been moving in, Multitude. They're a subsidiary of Myriad, which is a subsidiary of Throng, which is a subsidiary of this other subsidiary, or something. Anyway, they're big supporters of Emily Bespin. And they've made clear that we're all supposed to be her cheerleader from now on. As a journalist, it's generally not appropriate for me to discuss my political leanings, choice of candidate, or voting history. But I'll say this much. Of the two options presented, I would not have voted for Emily Bespin if I were a Redline resident. And I deeply resent being required to act as though I would have. Okay, now that's actually a situation. And considering that you've gathered a small team of investigators and media personalities in a semi-conspiratorial huddle... I assume you've hatched some kind of subversive plot to challenge or overturn that whole bullshit turn of events that will utilize our individual skills and talents? Or am I misreading the sitch here, Mr. Roshan? That's Octagon. Chuck Octagon. But yes, Nicole, that is a fair and accurate estimation of the sitch. My goal is to launch an underground media initiative, one that will report the true machinations of the Bespin administration and its allegedly nefarious association with all those string of subsidiaries, potentially in concert with the lottery, orchestrated by terrorist Oliver West. Oh, neat. I was hoping it'd be something like this. Can we, uh, can we call it the, uh, you ready? The Underground. (laughs) Yeah? Uh, we'll discuss it. Cool. I'll, um, <clears throat> put it in my calendar, right? Yeah, okay. Allegedly nefarious? Has that actually been alleged? Yes, by me, just now. I am alleging it. It is officially alleged. And you want to hire my firm to prove out your allegations? Yes. Well, I'm in a good position to help you. I've got a CI with knowledge on the Bespin campaign as well as the lottery. And I've got another in the resistance movement that's building in Redline. If you've got the funding, I'm game for the job. And that's where we run into trouble. Nicole, is there any chance that your network would be interested in underwriting a venture like this? I really doubt it. Unless we spin it as some kind of wacky reality show. Which I'm pretty sure is not what you have in mind. Wait, is that all you brought me in for? No, you've got good camera presence. I want you on the air. Oh, okay, cool. I can do the funding. You can? How? Well, (laughs) I've got a lot of money right now. Like, uh, a lot. A lot. The underground it is. Aren't you broke and homeless? Uh, Homeless? Yeah. Uh, But I took out renter's insurance when I moved into Porter Square, so when my house got yanked down the subway tunnel with all of the squeezy stress balls... That set me up for a pretty great insurance payout, actually. Also, I haven't been paying for rent, food, utilities, or pretty much anything for almost a year. And I was collecting double salaries from Third Sight that whole time. It's uh, it's kind of an ideal situation in that way. I mean, not really. I was locked up. I've got so much money right now, it's honestly making me kind of twitchy. I've been really holding back on my instinct to just, you know, just get rid of it. (laughs) It's, uh, weird having that much money. Uh, I don't like it, and, uh, but, uh, 
you know, here's my chance. I can get myself back to write and accomplish something important at the same time. Kind of an ideal situation in that regard. And I know I said that before, but those were both ideal. Actually, the other one is not as ideal as I previously had suggested it was because, again, like I said, I was stuck in a room for a year and it almost killed me. So, yeah, we're just going to go with this one being the most ideal of situations, actually. We should really find you a financial manager. If I get rid of the money, I won't need one. We're, we're going to have a talk about that later. For now, though, okay, it looks like we got our funding. Also, currently, I'm an unemployed writer and editor, so I can work, too. I can do stuff. Cool, cool. Writing's good, too. Yeah, buddy, you're going to need writers if you're going to do a media thing. I, I know you're used to just standing in front of a camera and jabbering, but what you're proposing is going to take a lot more than that. You want me, you better take Michael seriously. Also, I've spent most of the past year living in Oliver West's abandoned secret hideout, memorizing his financial records. Welcome aboard. On their second ride, Mika molds the choice she had to make. She could join Nicole on her show, take her brother's role, cut him out of his creation, leave him in breach of his contract and with no way to even deal with that kind of trouble. And he'd let her. He'd made it for her, after all. She knew that. That open mic stopped being important a long time ago. It's a representative example of how I put my dreams first. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Do you want to know what I talked about in that night's performance? Some of it was about you, about what I envied most about you. You act. If you have an idea, you execute it. You have a goal, you go after it. You get curious about some batshit nonsense, and you do the work to satisfy that curiosity. Recklessly, without considering you're impacting the rest of us, but I, I wasn't thinking about that part of it then. I was only thinking about how brave you were. Which wasn't even true, was it? You're just impulsive. It's not the same thing. But whatever the reason, you act. While I stood passively aside waiting for adventures to come to me. That's why I took the TV show. To go with you on your adventure. By reenacting your adventures. That's what they offered me. I could only take it or leave it. And I figured it was a place to start. You could trade up from there. You didn't ask. I tried. Couldn't reach you. I called you, but you weren't there. You couldn't reach me? You couldn't reach me. Go on, Dimitri. Tell me about that. About how unreachable I was and what a hardship that was for you. Tell me what that's like, because really, I could hardly imagine. Nika, I I know. I said... I know what you said. Just because you said it doesn't mean you're forgiven, or that I can't still yell at you for it, or that I am ever, ever going to accept that excuse from you about anything. Okay. But I made the best decision I could. I thought you'd want me to take it. I thought you'd be mad at me if I didn't. I get why you thought your stupid show would serve my dreams. But that's the thing about disappearing for two years and being completely unfucking reachable That whole time you're gone, the image in your head stays still, but reality moves on, and you're still catching up. I'm not even saying I wouldn't like it, having a TV show. But God, what a frivolous dream that was. Fame. Not for anything in particular, I just needed people to know my name. If I'd gone with you, we'd have found D.B. Cooper together, gotten the show together. But no, I had my own way. I'd get on stage and talk, until fame happened. And you know the craziest thing? That's exactly how it went. Emily Bespin put me on stage and made me famous. The famous monster's henchman. That's me all over, isn't it? The henchman. The accomplice. The sidekick. The tag-along. Nothing we ever did was my idea. My ideas felt too small even to me. An idea came into your head and you just ran at it, even if you ended up buried under a mountain of ice. Do you even remember how badly Leon's hands were hurt? He was in bandages for a week. 
this show you're offering me? It makes me your sidekick again. Even when it's supposed to be my idea, my dream, somehow I end up your sidekick. And okay, fine, you didn't have a choice in what the show was about. It was that or nothing, whatever. It's still a fucking participation trophy. It's my dream handed to me as a byproduct of you. Being sidekick on your adventures is bad enough. Being sidekick in my own adventures? No. Not anymore. That view of me. You don't even question it, do you? The follower, the number two. The girl waiting for someone to offer her a life. You can't see what I'm really doing. Talking up all Beston's meanness like it's gold. It's an act. Turns out I'm good at that, acting. Nobody suspects that walking failure Nika Stamatis is a double agent. And whose idea was it? Who took the initiative? I did. Probably nobody but the people I'm working with will ever know. And you now. But honestly, that's enough. Especially since... Well, if nobody knows the good thing I've done, then maybe nobody will know the bad thing I did. The thing I'm atoning for. That's really brave, Nika. Maybe. But the hole I need to climb out of is so deep. Their car came to the top of the flume, teetered briefly, then reluctantly tipped to the opposite slope. As gravity shifted, they slid ever so slightly toward each other. What was that? My puzzle box. Finally, that's been nagging at me for years. They're supposed to work together somehow. I think they just unlocked. Dimitri opened his box. Inside was a plastic submarine. A cereal box toy that would rise and dive in water if loaded with baking soda. Well, that's pretty cheap. It would have been prescient two years ago. I hope mine's better. Nika's contained a thick copper coin with a train imprinted on one side, a block letter T on the other. A subway token, obsolete for over a decade. Man, you got swindled. I hope you didn't pay a lot for these. Let's not talk about that. Ouch. I'm sorry I treated you like a sidekick. I didn't mean to. I never thought of you that way. Yes, you did. On some level, that's exactly how you thought of me. Okay, maybe... Okay, I'm sorry, Nika. Thing is... You were right. I should have gone with you. I shouldn't have been here. So we can go. Whatever you want, stay or go, I'm with you. You choose the way. It doesn't matter now. It's too late. The the point is, I shouldn't have been here in the first place. If I had gone with you... Don't you get it? Leon would still be alive. If, If I hadn't been here, then I couldn't have killed him. I... Killed Leon. So, was it as fun the second time? Every bit. One more go, please, Mallory. We're not done. We are. We are. We are. We are. Watching Matt Damon and Ben Affleck notice the electric fencing that now surrounds all open-air stations as part of Redline's ongoing efforts to secure our turnstiles. That seems a little... much. We are. We are. We are. We are. We are. We are. Watching Redline's cutting-edge security cheese bots request to see Matt Damon and Ben Affleck's official Charlie permits, now required of all commuters, as evidence that they have passed rigorous screening tests that weed out criminals, druggies, and subversives. Hey, come on, guys. You know me. I'm Ben Affleck, and he's Matt Damon. There you go. Just listen to that smile. It's all good. Sorry, boys. Looks like you forgot to apply for your Charlie permits. We are. We are. We are. We are. We are. Watching Matt Damon and Ben Affleck get dragged away in handcuffs. What? No, no, you can't arrest me. I'm friends with Matt Damon. You made Matt Damon frown, you monsters. We are. 
We are. We are. We are. We are. Legion. We are. Legion. We are. Legion. We are. Legion. As the ride lifted them once again toward the cheesy peak, Nika sat silently. She'd said the thing she needed to say. Confession. Her first crime. No. No, that's not how it was. Read the letter. It's right there, beside you, in Dimitri's pocket. It wasn't your fault. Nika, of course you didn't kill Leon. It was my idea. For once in my life, I could be there for him like he had always been there for me, so I... I acted, but I was the one who needed that, not him. I I made him get on that roller coaster. No, you didn't. Nobody ever made Leon do anything. He made sacrifices for the people he cared about because that made him happy. But he chose his sacrifices. You didn't manipulate him or bully him into it. You couldn't have if you wanted to. Not our Leon. That was when it happened the first time. Leon died, and they put me on TV. Just like I wanted. I wished for it, and it happened. My wish killed Leon. That's not how wishes work. This isn't some fable where everybody is punished with irony just for wanting things. Nobody found a magic fish or a monkey's paw. There's no sausage stuck to the end of your nose. You're seeing a pattern that isn't there. Trust me, I know all about inventing magical mysteries where there aren't any. It wasn't your fault. I... I don't know. I don't know. Well, I do. I'm going to keep telling you it's not your fault as many times as you need to hear it. Do you think it would have been different if you'd gotten on that plane in Portland? You could have stopped me. Have you met me? I'd have been right there with you egging him onto the ride. The only thing different is that he would have died sitting between us. Read the letter. Nika, please, read it. It explains everything. The letter. What? From Leon. We still need to read his letter. You're sure? Yes. Dear Dimitri Dimitri and Nika, it is a strange thing to compose. It is a strange thing to compose a letter when one is dead. My relationship to the corporeal universe seems contingent solely on my spiritual connection with some sphere of crystal Kabbalah. I twice previously attempted to send my thoughts to Nika. The results were mixed at best. I've done something I regret. I gave up on something important. Life. And in giving up, in choosing to die the way I did, I continued on in a form of life I find most unpleasant. In death, I've discovered my own personal hell. I'm taking a page from Nika's book and casting a message in a bottle out into the void and hope it eventually finds you both. Nika and Dimitri, my beloved siblings, this message needs to find you. You need to find each other. You need to find Michael. And you need to find me. And you need to release me from this crystal ball. And let me find peace. With love and expediency, Leon. It's his handwriting. I know. It sounds exactly like him. I know it is. See, Nika, you didn't kill him. He chose to die. And he's not even dead. Not... not completely. He sounds miserable. Like... Like he's in hell. He says he's in hell. He says we can help him. I'm going to... Okay, I know you're going to think this is stupid, but I have to look. At what? Leon's puzzle box. Oh, Dimitri, fine. Fine. Let's look. Dimitri opened the final puzzle box. The one I'd spent months trying to solve. Inside was another simple object. A single, translucent sphere. It's a marble. It's a glass ball. Fuck. My submarine, Leon's crystal ball, the only one that didn't mean anything is yours. God damn it, yes. Yes, it does. That's where I screwed up. That's where I 
fucking buried myself in debt to the universe and, and, and to Mallory. But now what? Where do, where do we even start? He says to find Michael. We talk to Michael. How about it, folks? Third time do the job? I think it did. Thank you, Mallory. My fucking pleasure. You and me still have some shit to stir, though, don't we? At some future date. TBFD. I know. Oh, there's one more thing. This guy Tyrell said to tell you thanks. Thanks for what? I don't know who that is. He gave me the letter and said you saved his life. Great. Well... You're welcome to Tyrell, I guess. Hey, Dimitri. You remember how I used to work at Singer Sewnvac? Yeah. Well, I was really good at fixing machines. Like, really good. I know. I loved watching you when you brought one home. You always knew exactly what you were doing. Okay, I just needed you to know. That's all. That's not all you were good at, though. The stories you told? You'd make up the wildest things. Adventures and monsters and quests. I knew what I wanted to be because you showed it to me in the first place. You made it real. You were my best friend, too. Past tense? We'll work on it. We can get back there. Okay. And say I like who I am, I like who I'm with, I like where I'm at, I like where I live, there's nowhere better right now for me, I like my life, this is where I want to be. Sometimes healing seems to take forever and a day And it's hard to remember In the end you'll feel okay Sometimes life can be a trial When you miss someone for such a long while But it's good to remember This is where I want to be. I assume you and the Bespins are ready to make a deal for Wonderland by now. Oh, awfully presumptuous of you, Mr. West. But it's funny you mention that. A member of upper management would like to speak to you about a new arrangement. Your Mr. Manager, I assume? It's manager. And no, this is someone much more, well, their upper management. He'll meet you at our new headquarters, Downtown Crossing, top floor. Oliver rode Redline to the station, noting how the car he was in was being retrofitted with luxury accommodations. Everything inside was white. Built-in bookshelves framed the doors. The appliances were mid-century modern in the style of Smeg. At one end, they were... Good lord, was that a fireplace? That couldn't be good. As he rode the glass elevator at Downtown Crossing Station, he asked himself... Two questions. One, how did they build this tower so quickly? 
And two, why was he so nervous? The massive doors ahead of him were rich, dark wood, mahogany. A single letter was adorned on the front of them in gold. N. N. What could that possibly stand for? Come in, Mr. West. You? You're... Please, have a seat. Thank you. I... Well, this office is... spectacular. Ah, why... Why does your voice sound so familiar? You know why, Mr. West. I... don't, I assure you. You know what's interesting? People always assume our little association here is about money. That's all they talk about. Our worth, our stock value, our investment portfolio. But a far more important than our worth in money is our worth in something far more valuable. Information. That's what Redline promises us, after all. Uh, typically, we use more sophisticated methods to learn about our customers. But in Redline, there's a quaint little built-in system to hear everything we need to know. Each car is outfitted with a two-way radio. Everyone knows it works one way. The train operators, representatives of government, they can all deliver messages. But most people don't realize that information goes in and information comes out. If they need something in their home, instant advertisements or a legion representative at their door. Some might call it exploitive, an invasion of privacy. But as a mutual lover of information, you and I both know that's ridiculous. It's symbiotic. Need, supply. Everyone profits. Wouldn't you agree? You. <laughs> You're spying on them. Spying? Were you spying on your employees at Third Sight? Were you using Leon Stamatis to spy on your enemies throughout Boston with that wonderful little crystal ball? Well, yes. Yes, I believe I was. <laughs> spying. An ugly word. Try this on for size. Learning. You were learning, Mr. West. And that's what we do. What we all do. And I've learned so much from you, for instance. Your voice. I swear I've heard it before. Of course you have. And do you know why? You've heard it deep inside you. In some tucked away part of your brain, I'm that little voice in your head telling you what to do telling you how to do it, and learning from your every choice. I know what you are going to do before you even do it. Which is why I'm going to offer you a contract. A revised contract in writing. Wonderland for a song. A replacement criminal for your nephew. His freedom. And a seat back at the table for you. And, and, and my family, will they, <sighs> will, will they be, will they know that I? <sighs> we can delay them hearing about the bad news of your untimely demise, for now at least. It's fascinating that you care so much about that given how little you've even bothered to talk to them. I... <clears throat> I always thought I would... Bring them to Redline once it was yours? Show them your city once it was under your control? Of course you did. And of course I knew that. But it's never going to be yours, Mr. West. It's hours. Like every single thought in your head. 
It all belongs to us. Now. Sign on the dotted line, and do remember, the contract is binding. If you fail to deliver on your promises, we'll fail to deliver ours. And without our promises, failure is all you'll be, Mr. West. Oliver picked up the pen, and he... He... Uh, uh. And how are you faring, Mr. Stamatis? Oh, you thought this would be so easy, didn't you? Now look at you. Do you know what they call a strong sense of order turned inside out by chaos? A black hole. You got a lot of nerve, Baspin. What the hell? No warning for us? Just replaced. Just like that? You better prepare yourself for a lawsuit. How could you do this to us? We endorsed you for God's sake. I understand how you all feel. I do. I really do. But I simply don't care. I was presented with an opportunity to make the trains more efficient, and I seized it. That's what leaders do. But fear not. We still have a need here in Redline for each and every one of you. With so many of Powell's filthy trash being thrown into the Wonder Dumpster, there's a huge demand for employment here in Redline. And these are the types of jobs that you're all suited for in that they require so few skills. You know, coffee pot pourers and food couriers and the like. You know what, ma'am? There's honor in that work. There's honor in every kind of job there is. Work is work. Doesn't matter what kind. There's honor in pretty much every type of job that exists, except yours. Because you don't work, you just talk. You can't even get that right. Because when you open your big mouth, the only thing that comes out is... Why are you still talking? Why haven't you been tossed into the empty nothingness where you belong? Toss him out. Toss him hard. He can join the unemployed lot in Wonderland for all I care. Now, let me be clear. We have work for you. If you fall in line, know your place, and behave. The pay is minimum wage and... Enough! And the hours are long. And if you act now, you can rent some space at Shamit Station and a few other select trains and stations at a discounted rate. So, no more housing. Linzer Coolidge carried your freeloading behind long enough as it is. You should have saved considerably in preparation for being obsolete. And if you haven't, that's your problem. Here are your revised contracts. You can sign them or shred them. Redline will thrive either way. The question is, will you? More of you loyal than I would have expected. That's good, that's very good. I am so sorry I'm late, Emily. It's quite all right, Nika. It is? Of course. You deserve a little time to yourself. You've been working so hard, haven't you? Uh, yes, I have. I got you a little something. Come with me. Um, into the supply closet? Your surprise is inside. Okay. Um, you got me a mop? Is that what that is? I thought it was some kind of abstract art. Um... I just have one question for you. How do you suppose those horrid wonder bandits knew about the location of my lovey funny bunny Ethan's top secret lab? They... They must have Only three people knew about it. Myself, Ethan, and Oliver. Maybe Oliver then? You know he's been pushing back lately. Yes, that's true. He is a human skin blemish requiring a great cleanse. Of course, you knew about the lab too. I... I did? What's that? Your surprise. Hey, Nika. Phil, you're... you're in the RLPD? Yeah. New job as part of my pardon. Oh, and you're under arrest. What? You have the right to not talk and all that jazz. Emily, I... I, Am a traitor? 
A filthy, mutinous little traitor? I, I told you things, Nika. I trusted you. I confided in you. I told you. I, I thought we were friends. Emily, listen to me. This is all... Take her away. No! Redouble his job seeking after five. 7pm to 8pm. Be gentle, Tortellini, with motives of short don't shame. Dancing and drinks to follow. I just could not do it. I took one look from atop that rickety wave of track, that dizzying array of speed and surprise, and embraced the greatest certainty I could muster. Nope. Boston is written and produced by Alexander Danner and Jeff Andrews and with recording and technical assistance. Hey. Hey. I'm trying to record the cred- credits. That won't be necessary. You. You're back. I-, I am, and I'll be resuming my oversight of the closing formalities. I do appreciate your keeping the seat warm in my absence. So, I should just... Yeah, yeah, I- I'm all set here. You should go. Okay, I'm not going to worry about it. I mean, I've been this whole Let's see. Here we go. Greater Boston is written and produced by Alexander Danner and Jeff Van Driesen with recording and technical assistance from Mark Harmon. This season is dedicated to Caitlin Van Driesen and Brandy Danner, the two women who have to put up with all of Jeff and Alexander's nonsense while they make this ridiculous thing. Thank you to Patreon supporters John Grills, Amanda Robinson, Derek J. May, and Rasmus. We've reserved fine luxury car condos for each of you in the newly revitalized city of Redline. And thank you to everyone who has supported Greater Boston through Patreon, through sharing the show on Twitter or on Tumblr, by joining the fan Discord and sharing your reactions to each episode. We are grateful for all of it. This episode featured Kelly McCabe as Nika Stamatis, James Johnston as Dimitri Stamatis, Joanna Bodnick as Mallory, Braden Lamb as Leon Stamatis, Jeff Van Driesen as Chuck Octagon, Kristen DiMercurio as Nicole Fonzarelli, Julia Propp as Luisa Alvarez, James Oliva as Michael Tate, Rick Zeef as Lawyer, Mike Linden as Oliver West, Jim Johansson as Rusty, Sam Musher as Emily Bespin, and Michael Melia as Philip West, with special appearance by Brigham Snow as Ben Affleck, also featuring David Reinstrom, Phoebe Joy, Jordan Cobb, Cole Burkhart, Fox Cooper, Tina Daniels, Christopher Dole, Todd Faulkner, Jack Peavyhouse, Alma Rhoda Jill, Zane Sexton, and Alex Welch as Legion, with additional voices by James Hartley, Colin Kelly, and Brandy Danner. Interviews with real Greater Boston residents. Oh, and I'm back. Hello. Charlie on the MTA and Tosa Waltz by Emily Peterson and Dirk Titi. Broke Yeti by Ryan Estrada. Drums by Jim Johansson. This is Where I Wanna Be by Must Be Tuesday. You can find more of their music by following them on Twitter at Must Be Tuesday. Extra special thanks to Carl Christian Krumpholtz, the artist who conceived the Nacho Flume when he created the three amazing prints we released at the beginning of the season. Episode transcripts are available online at greaterbostonshow.com. And that is it for season three. 
Jeff and Alexander will be taking a little time off, but they'll be back with monthly mini-episodes while they work on writing the next season. I'll be keeping an eye on them. Make sure they stay on task. It's what I do. Goodbye for now, and I will see you back in Greater Boston in Season 4. This is where I want to be. This is who I want to be. Kneecat Wonderland, second <laughs> ride with Joanna and Kelly. Oops, and engines. Most of this recording is going to be the truck. Yep. I guess, Kelly, start with I, I killed Leon. Oh, oh my. Okay. <laughs> um. I was trying to like work myself into it. Shitty. All right. All right. I killed Leon. (laughs) I killed him and I killed him and I killed him. All right. You did it so well and I was like. All right. I killed Leon. So. Was it as fun the second time? Every bit. Killing him. Even better the third time. Ooh. <laughs> if I hadn't been here, airplanes couldn't have killed him. <laughs> I sent in a squadron after him. Two airplanes and cornered him in an alleyway. <laughs> Beat the crap Asshole. out of him. Playing some cars, the cars franchise spinoff. Hey, here I was thinking Starscream. Are, they, are the planes bad in the cars? It's planes from Cars, Fire, and Rescue, bad. but no rescue's coming. Wonderful. I mean, not really, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoyed that. <laughs> it, it felt wrong to keep it evil all the way through, but I, I got stuck there. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you're all That's how it too. starts. <laughs> it got stuck on evil. <laughs> it's a funny story, officer. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. In the year 1889, there was nowhere in the world more exciting than London, England. Three cheers for Inspector Lestrade and the bad boys of Baker Street themselves, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. John Watson! Solved! By Sherlock Bloody Holmes of 221 B Baker Street. Well, with any luck, we'll get a new brutal murder any day now. God, I wish. It's truly shocking you haven't solved anything in five years. The boys are both out of town for some case about a dog in Dartmoor this weekend. Sincerely, Martha Hudson. London's number two detective team just became number one. Fox and Stallion. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at 224BBaker or on our website, 224BBaker.com. It's like they say, big breaks are 90% luck. What's the other 10%? Luck.